0: Be the cool auntie or uncle figure. You don't come in trying to make rules. You don't come in calling shots. You definitely leave the discipline to the parents. You just be cool. And that's what I did for a very long time and still do.
1: You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 391. Today, we're talking about how to step parent with Najah Hall. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark-Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast. So glad you are here today, my friend. Listen, if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe so you don't miss out. And if you love the podcast, if you like the podcast, please do me a favor and go over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a rating and review. It helps the podcast grow more and it takes just like 30 seconds. And I hugely, hugely appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. And in just a moment, I am going to be talking with Naja Hall, the founder of VIP Stepmom and Blended in Black. And she's the host of the popular podcast, I Know I'm Crazy with Nasha Hall, and the author of Girl by Book Series. And she's the stepmom of three. And we're going to talk about step-parenting and dealing with divorce with kids And, you know, if you are in that, you know it can be a relationship minefield. So Naja and I talk about what it's like to become part of a family with kids who might be devastated by divorce, right? So we're going to talk all about this. She's got some stories. I think you'll like this. So let's just get right to it. Join me at the table as I talk to Naja Hall. The April 20th Mindful Parenting Retreat Day is filling up fast. Join me and other parents in Wilmington, Delaware for a day of rest and relaxation, mindfulness and mindful communication practices, and a live podcast too. And my special guest for the live podcast is, drumroll please, Lynetta Willis. You know her from episode 366 and 400. She is a psychologist and sought-after speaker who teaches her triggered to transformed program to struggling parents. Join us and bring a friend to this powerful day-long retreat in Wilmington, Delaware on April 20th, 2024. But hurry, space is limited. Go to com slash retreat to get your spot now. That's com slash retreat. Well, welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry to talk to you because we haven't talked to anybody in like, at this point, we've recorded over 380-something episodes about... Oh, you
0: are a hard-working woman.
1: ...step parenting. And we have not talked to anyone about step parenting, and I'm kind of amazed at it. And we I was thinking, I was talking about it with some friends in my neighborhood, um... At a party this weekend, and this idea that someone told me this like horror story of like being a step parent, and then the biological mom was having all these issues and like different value issues, and all these things that can big issues that can Ugh. really come up. So, there's like I know there's so much to dive into, we're not going to cover it all, but I think it's so so important to talk about. But you Obviously, I I just I'm curious about your story and starting VIPStepmom.com because you obviously became a stepmom. When did that happen? Take us back to the beginning of this story.
0: So, uh, okay, day one, right, guys? So, single girl, sex in the city, living the cute Manhattan life. I was probably like three dress sizes smaller than I am now. (laughs) No kids, no commitments, no nothing. Traveling the world, amazing. Um. One of my girlfriends suggested that I get on a dating site, dating website. I tell people I ordered my husband on the Internet, but I met him on an online dating site. And um, we went on our first date. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm from the South. I'm Christian. I'm the oldest child. I'm like, dude, all three, me too. So we just had so much in common. He told me he had three kids. In that moment, I was like, Ah, oh, wow, wow. <laughs> you know, when someone says something like that to you, um, I learned that as human beings, we're very self-absorbed, selfish creatures. When you tell me something about you, I'm like, how does this benefit me? How is this going to hurt me? I immediately put the three kids thing in. I don't see where that could benefit me. So you're a person that I'm not probably going to date long term. <laughs> Clearly, if y'all are watching this, you see this big old ring on my finger. He turned out to be the best human being, like literally the best man Back then, to date, aside from my dad, that I just have experienced. He's so much like my own father, like a man's man and um, careful and protective. All of the things that you would want in in a guy, right? My fears, though, uh-huh. as far as being with a person that had a ready-made family. And that term used to piss me off so bad because I'm like, ew, that sounds awful. But that's what it was because this family that I was walking into was one that had been devastated by divorce, mental illness, um, violence in some cases, personality disorder, and just overall wrongness. And for those of us that have experienced divorce, you know it's like the death of a family. Yeah. Except for you gotta go see that SOB walking around all happy and they ain't dead. <laughs> They're moving on. Right. But you gotta figure out how do I raise children with someone who I no longer See, I, that was family and they're not anymore. Yeah. Or depending on how you define that. Yeah. So all of my fears, that reason that I checked him off once he told me that, you know, I was like, oh, what about if there's baby mama drama and child support stuff? And will I still be able to get like, can you pay for my Botox? Like all of these things that are so important to me. <laughs> I was like, hey, is this dude going to be able to do this? Um, And some of my fears did become actualized because I did not know. I knew that it was going to be a high conflict situation because I'm going to tell you guys this. Every person, man or woman, or um however they identify themselves, they're going to tell you that their sp- their ex spouse is bipolar, they're crazy, they're a narcissist. Like that's what you're just gonna hear. Uh. And over time, it's kind of up to you. And it, it was up to me to decide what what about this person's situation can I handle and one can I not handle? And I bit off more than I can chew sometimes. And at other times, I've made cupcakes out of it. I hope that answered your question. That was such a long one.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. How how
0: old were the kids when you guys, when you met them? When uh, Oh my God, little. The oldest now is about to be 18 and she was eight years old and? when I came into the picture and the twins were three. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they're 11 now. Oh, wow. So, th- three- oh wait, no, when we got married, they were three. Sorry. But, you know, I've been around for 10 years. Like, I got to make sure my math is mathing. So now they're uh, 11 and 17, about to be 18.
1: And I imagine, I mean, the three-year-olds, you know, they're a little, you know, they're they're so young, right? Like, they're just rolling with the changes. It's just what, the, what they know, I imagine, in a lot of ways. But I imagine for the eight-year-old, there was a lot of transition there. And, was, I mean, was this child receptive to you when you guys
0: met? The first time we met, when she laid eyes on me, she ran behind her dad, screamed, and hid behind him. Oh, no this is not a good start. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you why, though. And I, I did mention, you know, there's a such thing in some blended families are like the Brady Bunch. You know, they do Christmas cards together and that's that wasn't my case at all. And the reason that I started the communities, the blended family communities that I do have was because of my own experience. And I realized that mine was not the exception. It was kind of the norm. Not saying these peaceful Brady Bunch-like families don't exist, but... There's a lot of us that are still tied up in conflict or maybe there's one person that is really committed to chaos or they really want their step family to be run like a traditional family. And they're not on board. Um, That kind of causes everybody to feel that ripple effect uh, of, of harm. And so this this young kid, this beautiful little kid was exposed. And it's so unfair. It caused me a lot of trauma. That's what I tell anybody. If you're becoming a stepmom, be prepared for some of your own unhealed trauma to start to be unearthed. Because I was starting to see what this kid was being told and she was being harmed and she was being riddled with unnecessary anxiety. And it was up to her to actually go through a divorce with with a parent. And um, so the first time she saw me, she had already been told all these awful things about me. Oh my God, you're a monster and um, she's going to hurt you. Like it was, to the point to where it's it's almost criminal how, you know, this child's mind was alienated. But our first meeting that happened, she saw me ran away because I'm Benajah Big Bag Monster. Within an hour, we, were, we went to some go-kart place. Within an hour, we were playing bumper cars and laughing and screaming and having such a great time. And that showed me that this kid, I knew immediately, um, especially from what my husband, my then boyfriend, told me about her. This kid was treated like the golden child with both her parents. What you'll find is in divorce, um, a parent that's unhealthy will lean on one particular child and make that child the one that becomes their repository. And even in super unhealthy situations, emotional incest happens. Um, The child is parentified and they're put in this extreme loyalty bind. And it's very difficult for this child to. Be close to the other parent or the parent that they're in that side of the family that they're being alienated from. Um, So that happened a lot at the beginning. It took a lot of me proving myself and proving that the things that you're you're hearing aren't true. And I'm sorry this is your situation. I didn't create it, but let me show you who Miss Naja is. Like, let's. I just I want to be friends. Like, if anything, I tell any step parent, step mom, step dad, or you know anyone, be the cool auntie or auntie uh, or uncle figure. You don't come in trying to make rules. You don't come in, call and shots. You definitely leave the discipline to the parents. Um, You just be cool. And that's what I did for a very long time and still do. Just cool. Hmm.
1: Okay, cool. I like that. Be the cool auntie. Leave the discipline to the parents. I mean, that makes sense. It's like you have to create that connection, right? You have to kind of get on, you know, say I'm on your team. I'm here to be on your team. I'm here to be a supporter. Of you, I'm not here to be your enemy. All of those things, right? All of the things. Well, sounds like you had there's like an unhealthy ex in your situation. And I want to go back to that, but I'm also this idea of like meeting the child. Like for parents or people who are maybe going into dating or they're they're maybe dating someone and they may have are thinking about well, when do I introduce a child to someone I'm dating? Things like that. Are there any guidelines or, or you know? suggestions and tips around having, you know, someone meet someone you're dating and how to do that in a better, more conscious way?
0: I do. After all of these years of personal and professional experience, um, you know how, Hunter, you'll come across those people that dated for three months and they've been married for 96 years. And then that's the that's an anomaly, guys, because if we look at the stats, first marriage is going to half of those are going to end. Second marriage, I think the stats go up to maybe 65, 70% of those will end in divorce. So even if you think you know your person, they're your best friend, you complete each other's sentences, and you've never met anyone like this, don't drag your kids into your stuff. Give it some time. There's no, I don't think it would be fair or right for me to give a a set time. However, once you realize that this person is someone that's going to be in your life, and this is potentially a long-term relationship. You've done the couple's counseling or coaching together. You've seen each other in good and bad seasons, and you found healthy ways to rectify or remedy the issues that you have. You've introduced them to your own family. Then, then you start bringing those people around your kids when you've done your research. Um, I think it's irresponsible of a parent to bring a new person around so quickly because children do tend to get attached. and um, And it becomes very confusing. When you're constantly bringing every Tom, Dick, and Harry around your kids. So I can't really give a time limit. If you you force me and twist my arm, I'd say give it a year. I'd say give it a full year. And I know that's inconvenient for parents because you want to blend your family. You're excited. You're in love. But if my arm were to be twisted, and for me, a year represents seeing this person in all season.
1: Yeah, like the good, the bad, the ugly. You're you're yeah. getting the whole picture in a year. Like if you've been with this person for a year, you're you're likely not going to miss that. I mean, everybody's got a shadow side. Everybody's got
0: difficulties. You're going right. to start to see kind of what those are. Exactly, exactly. But if you can, give it a year. Um, hitting those key points and taking your time and making sure, you know, how well do we really know anyone? But making sure that you can trust these people around your Your babies, your most important jewels.
1: Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcasts right after this break. You know, some healthy skepticism in my life has served me well. And if you're like that, if you can spot a too good to be true health hack from about a mile away, you read labels like it's your job. Congratulations, you're a skeptic. And Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. I take Ritual's Essentials for Women 18 Plus every single day, morning and at lunch. And I am feeling great. I love this vitamin. Ritual's Essentials for Women is USP verified so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. Plus, Ritual Vitamins are vegan, non-GMO, Project Verified, gluten and major allergen-free, certified B Corp, and made traceable. They select lower-carbon packaging... They prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients and set ambitious climate goals. Plus, Ritual is a female founded B Corp, which means they are responsible to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mindful. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com mindful for 25% off.
2: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them
1: I mean, this has got to be so hard. I have a friend who's going through uh, has recently divorced, and her ex husband is dating a person, and the kids, her kids, and the ex husband's girlfriend's kids are hanging out and l- really love each other and like have like a good relationship. and And she ended up even doing some trick or treating with her ex and the mm-hmm. girlfriend, but <laughs> and the new girlfriend. And and all of the kids together. So
0: I mean, I guess that can work out. It can absolutely work out when you have healthy adults that are kid centered. Uh-huh. I forget who says this, but I, I can't. I, gosh, I wish I knew who said this. But one of my favorite quotes is, "You've never really seen a child centered marriage work, but we do see child centered divorce. Child centered divorces work, and it sounds like your friend." And their co-parent and even their new partner are some real child centered people saying we got to show these kids some good examples of how adults can get along because there's nothing worse than a child Mm. having to grapple with who mommy or daddy doesn't like and mitigating their emotions or feelings because of that. So I love that for your friend.
1: I'm psyched for her, too. But it sounds like that's kind of not the norm that. There's a lot of conflict and that's why people get, I mean, th- that makes sense. There's people get divorced because there's conflict. In your instance, you were
0: dealing with this maybe unhealthy ex. Who's- I prefer to just call, um, instead of speaking on someone's health, uh, I do prefer in in the stepmom or the blended family community. Y'all, we have acronyms. We have everything. It's not just, I didn't make these up. These, was, these were there when I started doing this job. Um, we call it the high conflict biological parent. So high conflict by your mom or high conflict by your dad. We even have high conflict step moms and stepdads. Don't get it twisted. So um we do tend to call those personalities high conflict people. And it's up to the doctor to diagnose them, not me. I, I'm so glad you corrected me because that makes that's a lot more respectful and that makes more sense because
1: you're only speaking to your own experience. Yes, not to a judgment on what's happening with this person. That that makes a lot more sense.
0: Yeah. Unless you've sat on my couch, I can't diagnose you. And so I.
1: Okay, but you had to deal with a high conflict biological mom. That must have been incredibly hard. Yes. You had to meet, I assume, at some point. And, you know, what are some of the like positive things you did in deal in meeting and interacting with the high conflict biological mom? And what are some of the mistakes you made?
0: One of the most positive things I've done was block her ass. That's the absolute <laughs> most positive thing on her. and that saved myself, my husband, mm. the kids, and her. It saved everyone um, from feeling so many unnecessary feelings of of chaos. Mm. Because when you're dealing with a high conflict personality, from what I've learned, all the therapists that work for the Najah Hall Coaching Agency. Um, my own therapist, probably yours too. If a person is constantly showing you that they have a high conflict personality, they are probably disordered somewhere in there. Now we can't give their disorder names. You know, the common ones we throw around are borderline personality and they have hints of narcissism or whatever else. Um, but once I started realizing that the chaos was not situational, meaning this person isn't having a bad day. This person isn't hurt because of their life circumstances this is who they are committed to being and maybe they can't even control it. The one thing I realized I could control was myself and who can call my phone or email me or contact me or see my social media. And so I had to take extreme measures in the very beginning once I finally, and it took me some time of trying to negotiate. Um, One of my favorites used to be we never negotiate with terrorists. And There's a lot of us out there that have tried. And what happens when you probably have tried to when you're in in some of your own life conflicts? What happens when you try to negotiate with a person who is dead set on wreaking havoc and who does not have the tools or the capacity by which to find balance? It's going to be hell. It's going to be war for everyone.
1: Yeah, I have a person like that in my life. And, And it's like I have to walk away. I have to say,
0: okay, I have to walk away. Until so walk away, you know, you walk away. What, what's the point of you talking? Because everything that you say, Hunter, you and I both know is going to victimize them. Right, right. It's going to make them attack you. And you you walk away feeling especially once you've engaged, um, you walk away feeling nasty. I've engaged before and I just walked away like, Naja, you are too good for that. Right. You should not have gone there. Um, how did you manage to lose control? And so the thing that I learned was to be very consistent in my boundaries.
1: What kind of self-care practice did you have to go through all of this?
0: <laughs> Zoloft? Okay, wait, let me be for real. <laughs> um, the self-care has, re- it's it's been 10 years now. You know, we're in double-digit years of constant chaos. And I talked about this on my own podcast on TikTok, you know, just with anybody. Just a year last Thanksgiving, my family suffered. My blended family suffered an unimaginable crime, and it was committed against my husband at a drop-off, like a a, a kid exchange. And that kind of before that I was good with the self-care. You know the meditating or um I'm big on praying. Like my prayer game since becoming a stepmom, I could probably go be a preacher now, honey. Like my prayer game is on point. Um but at different times throughout this journey, it's been prayer, it's been meditation, it's been um, seeing a therapist when that incident happened. And I, I've talked about it on my own podcast, so I'll go ahead and tell you. Um, the drop-off happened, and drop-offs typically used to have always, always happened at the fire station. This one particular day, something happened, and it was requested that my husband bring the kids to their home instead of going to the fire station. He got there and he was met outside and this, you know, he was asked to engage in a conversation. He knows not to do that. But, you know, when he told me the story, he was like, they were so cool. They had a sense of peace. Like it was like a new thing was starting to happen. And the person was like, listen, it's just been so many, speaking very rationally, like our prayers had been answered. It's been so many years of conflict. And I realized, and the person took responsibility and accountability all of the things that we look for to know that healing is happening. Hey, listen, I know that I've caused problems. Um, You know, if you lived closer, it would help a lot. And I know I've made it really difficult. And I just really want to now focus on co-parenting. And one of the the things that has been key, and at this point, I'll tell you guys this, I've never face-to-face ever seen um, my husband's parallel parent. Not one time in real life. We never met. And why by parallel parent, you mean his ex-spouse.
1: Okay, just want to make that clear for the listener.
0: Uh, I, I prefer to say the children's mom because I don't like to associate, you know, like. Okay, so the children's mom, great. Yeah, so the kid's mom. Um, never met this person, ever. Not one time physically on the phone. We've had some run-ins. Um, but even I learned, like, Najra, you're not going to win with that. These people have kids together. Stay out of it. Um, I started getting death threats. Like, my situation was, like, nuts. And I'd never, you know, I'm in my, at that point, I was in my 30s. I'm in my, you know, I'm well in 40s now. And I was like, I haven't had a bully. I, I, nausea doesn't get bullied. I was always the cool kid in school that, like, I'm cool with everybody. Like, what, what have I done besides exist? I didn't interrupt the marriage. I didn't know you when you were married. I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't have anything to do with any of that. Why the angst toward me? I started getting death threats. So I made it my business to never be around. So this particular one day, um, you know, the person told my husband, like, listen, I just want to work on things. And he was like, well, it's all good. He said, but there's one important factor that you're missing. He was like, you've introduced me to four or five of your boyfriends over these years. He was like, but you haven't, I have a wife. Like I literally, this is my family. The kids love her. I have a wife. And he was like, and she was like, oh, I'll never be around her. He was like, well, okay. So you're telling me you want to co-parent with me, but there's a big part of my life. And he was like, she hasn't done anything to you. You understand that, right? Now, truth. Now, the fact of the matter is, she would call my husband sometimes and get all crazy, and I would yank the phone and avenge my man because, you know, at a certain point, when are you going to stop getting sick of disrespect? I'm not a, I'm not a Mother Teresa here. Um, And she's like, well, she disrespected me. Okay, we're talking eight years ago at this point since the conversation was had. And so she went over to her car and she was like, oh, wait a minute. You never, you're never, you never going to bring her around. She can't come to birthdays, graduations, um, soccer games, like whatever. He was like, that doesn't make sense. He was like, "That you want a co-parent, but you're thinking you're going to isolate. He was like, I don't say anything when your boyfriends or your people are around. She went to her car, and this is in Texas. Y'all know about Texas. <laughs> and she got a pistol.
1: Oh, my God.
0: And she presented the pistol to him and said, if you bring her around, I'm going to shoot her and kill her, and then I'm going to kill you, oh God, oh God, and so the reasons that we were doing the um he was doing the fire station drop-off is because there had been death threats, and he was disarmed at that moment. You know, hey, Dad, can you just take us back to our house? We don't want to go to the fire station. Nobody she said that she can't you know, our mom said she can't come and get us today, so you know. He's a good dad. Like, of course, he's a sucker for his kids. And he walked into that. And he stood there as the incident was happening. He said he was frozen. He was like, I knew not to move. I didn't know if there were ring cameras, but I didn't make any abrupt movements. Um, He knew the exact type of gun it was. He saw it, had her hand on the trigger. And he's like, so you're going to shoot me? And he said she had some sort of look that washed over her face after she said that. After he said that, it was pure humiliation and she almost looked childlike. And she scurried back off to the car and came and stood there in front of him. And within maybe five, 10 seconds, one of the kids came out. I was like, Dad, you're still here. What are you doing here? And he said, I saw that as my out to leave. And he was like, I hugged my kid and I left and I went to the police station.
1: That's crazy. How hard is
0: it for him to leave the kids in that situation? That's so frightening. He leave the kids because he's like, that, you know, and there were so many things. And in that moment, That's when I knew, I was like, okay, this is becoming too much. Before, you know, like I told you, my my ways were blocking and I have some, like, I'm a support person for people in this community. I have people that support me, you know, the support people. We need people to take care of us too. But in that moment, that's when all of the anxieties that I had 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 became actualized. And it sucks when your anxieties are actualized because now that leads to more anxiety because now you're telling your brain, well, see, you were right. Brain you were right for making her nervous and anxious and making her fearful of certain situations because it happened. Mm -hmm. And so I had to take a serious break from everything, a step back. Mm -hmm. Um, The first time I'd ever seen this person in real life was when they were on the stand testifying that they never pulled a weapon and it never happened and making accusations. And then they brought one of my stepkids in to corroborate their story. And... You know, the story obviously wasn't true. The child said I was out there the entire time. It hadn't happened. And so it rocked us. Fine. This situation rocked our family. It rocked me. Um, it caused me a lot of resent and anger. And the rational part of me says, Naja, if a kid is prompted by an abusive person to say something, any kid, speaking generally here, by an abusive person to say something to defend them, um, and this child was in survival mode, what do you think they're going to do? But the other side of me, the human side of me, side of me says, wow, that sucked. Yeah. It sucked, but that had to happen. And I'm angry and I'm hurt. Yeah. Um, it took a lot of work to get past that. It took me stepping all the way back. As a step-parent, some of us, I personally have the luxury to step away. Right. I've also had to really step up. And so um, you ask what I do, I do what needs to be done. I'll step away. I'll take breaks. Um, I've had to, you know, I had a psychiatrist just to examine me because when that happened, I started having these thoughts of seeing my husband lying dead with this person standing over them. Mm -hmm. You know, like, these things started happening. And so I had to stop. I was like, okay, girl, um, this isn't okay. You need to get some help. And and I did. And, you know, I'm cool now, obviously. But um, it changed the dynamic for me. It changed my approach in coaching. And that situation, if I wasn't taking when people, especially my clients, tell me, about their fears and their anxieties and threats. That changed the whole game for me. And so we went from being high conflict, possibly kind of not really co-parenting to let's parallel parenting. what parallel parenting, Hunter, means is you do your thing, I do mine. <laughs> we ain't intersecting at all. Stay tuned for more Mindful
1: Mama podcasts right after this break.
3: young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. Lynn, this time of
4: year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.
1: Well, it's interesting because, you know, I teach mindful parenting and a lot of times one parent is really into it and is shifting and changing the way they're parenting. And they always wonder like, well, what if my partner is not into this and is, wants to parent a totally different way? And kind of what I end up coming to often is like you can control you. And you can model skillful means just because one person is doing something in a way that's not so skillful doesn't mean you're going to do it that way too, just because so you can be on the same page, right? Like that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Better to do something in a skillful way, have the partner see how that works, and then maybe say, okay, so what are you doing there? But you're talking about in a step parenting situation, parallel parenting is they, the kids have one whole parenting situation that, one parent's house, and then a completely different parenting situation. So it's they—they they just the kids learn to adjust to two completely situ- different situations, parenting values, and things like that. Is that how that works?
0: Yeah, yeah. The kids, um, you know, we say, oh, kids are very malleable. But I, I, if that's the case, why do we have all these screwed up adults out here? But unfortunately, when people cannot find a way to get along, um, or there is such conflict that it's. Sometimes it's just healthier for children to know this is my this is one home over here and this is the other home and there's no intersectionality. And, you just happen to share human beings. Uh-huh. But there's a lot of us that make it work. Yeah, there's a lot of us that don't that wish that it didn't have to be this way, but we we kind of don't have a choice.
1: OK, so how do the, some of those conversations go with the kids like at mom's house? We get to do X, Y, Z and and blah, blah, blah. Oh, they know. <laughs> and I mean, that must be incredibly frustrating because you may have certain rules about screen time in your house. And it's just such, I mean, how do those conversations with kids work and how do you kind of approach that communication with them?
0: Um, The kids on not on our end, but from the other end, the kids, uh, what you'll see in a lot of alienated children is they have the responsibility of caring for their harmful parents emotions they have to carry the burden of their harmful parents um uh, of their their dilemmas their dramas their problems if they don't like someone then the kid has to carry that so the kids know they know and they've been really taught on that other end i don't i hate those people they don't really like you guys that much i mean that's not true it's just like they know to not bring up certain things and so we do have our own skill, uh, screen time rules. And like I said, my husband's like super dad. He's a really good dad. And so he has gained respect with these kids. They're very mindful. Um, they're really respectful of me. And we have a gr- good freaking time together. Even considering like this cloud of, we all know what happens when they go back to their other home. Um, when I say there's no intersectionality, there's not. If, you know, and that's hard for children because now we're doing college applications. Like we're talking about going out of town. And so, you know, Hunter, we're going, I I don't know, maybe you bring me back in six months and we'll just see like what happened with that.
1: (laughs) Well, it's interesting because kind of what I'm hearing here is like, there's like a middle path in a lot of ways that, you know, for someone who may be going into divorce or dealing with a blended family, there's kind of like a middle path between honesty and restraint that you have to walk as the step-parent or as a parent. Like, you know, of course you want to be honest with your kids you want to tell them be truthful about things right absolutely but on the other hand you there's a level of restraint where you take into account their emotional development, their relationship to you, etc. Like you, they can't be the dumping ground for everything. Like it's okay, You know, a lot of times parents are afraid to let their kids know that they feel frustrated or sad and things like that. And I said, that's it's okay for your kids to know that you are human and you have human feelings. Yes, yes.
0: How do they learn how to process those emotions if you don't model it for them?
1: Yeah, you have to model that for them. At the same time, you don't have to dump the whole story upon them about why you're frustrated or sad necessarily yeah. and go on and on and on about it. And so there is this kind of middle line, middle right. path between some, you know, just being honest and being yourself and 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 having some restraint as the adult in this situation.
0: Yeah. I think healthy parenting, um, if you are a healthy adult, a healthy, responsible adult, you know where to draw the line. Because if you're telling an eight-year-old, oh, daddy hasn't paid child support and I don't know how are they going to keep the lights on, what do you think that's doing to this kid's mind and what's the point of you telling them that? Um, Are you trying to make the other parent look like a bad person? Are you trying to gain sympathy for this parent? Because I always tell people this in the step parenting and blended family community is children seem to empathize and sympathize with the parent that they perceive as being weaker and more helpless. So what I see is a lot of parents that practice alienation, they'll paint themselves as these big victims when, in fact, they're the monsters to their children, and the children will almost feel as if they have to be their caretakers. When I mentioned emotional incest earlier, they're kind of getting them in this very unhealthy relationship where a child is responsible for an adult's feelings. And so when a parent does that, when you overindulge or overshare, that's what you're doing to your child. But your child, just like you, don't have the ability or the capacity to process this. And so now you've dumped your grown-up stuff on this kid. And that's not fair. Not cool at all. Yeah. Not cool. Not not fair.
1: Okay. So let's go back to the idea that like you want to be like the cool auntie or uncle, right? You want to leave the discipline to the parents. Yeah. But imagine then, you know, you, you know, Naja have been with these kids have been with them for a long time, right? You're yeah, you become like mom number two, you know, in a lot of ways. So there are plenty of times, I'm sure you're alone with the kids, right? You may, They may have be having conflict. Conflicts arise. Lily. How do you start to navigate into that role of maybe holding boundaries, right? Whereas you're, yeah. you know, how do you start to kind of wade into those waters?
0: If your partner sets you up as a person that is an authority figure in these kids' lives, and if your partner demonstrates to the kids that you two are a unit, if daddy or mommy says it, then... Um, like I remember one time my, my husband, he was like, hey, so you guys need to look at Miss Naja as if she's me. She's like daddy's second person. She's daddy's assistant. So she's telling you to do something. Understand that she is coming from me. And we didn't have any issues. We, we haven't had any issues, but um, the kids know because he's done such a good job of setting me up as a person that's an authority figure in their lives that they haven't tried to cross me. Now, I will say this. Your biological, your step, your foster, your nieces and nephews, kids are going to test you and try you because they're testing their own boundaries. They're trying to figure the world out right now. So I don't take it personally if I tell a kid to do something and then I have to ask again and I have to explain why. I love explaining to children why. Um, my whys is behind them telling you to do things. Um, that teaches them to know that they're going to have to explain to me why. Getting off topic. But I have a rule. If they ask me for a video game or t-shirt or something, I'm almost gonna say, why do you want that? Well, because uh, because I want it. No, why I want. I need you to tell me why. And either they'll get frustrated and say, forget it, or they'll go back in their memory bank and say, well, I was on YouTube and I saw it, and now I want it. So now I have a chance to kind of explain to them the influence of media and being careful about protecting their minds. But there's that. Um, So I always try to lead for lead from example with kids and scenarios like that. And when you're in my case, like when you're an alienated step parent, the impact. And the influence that you have is manipulated and you're not going to have as much as you want and you just need to be okay with that. You got to be, you have to say, okay, well, I'm doing what I can, but it's limited. There's not really a lot that I can do. Yeah, it's going to be limited. Yeah. How do you,
1: What what, do you have any recommendations for uh, step parents to create connection, right? Because that's the glue, right? We know that with parents their connection to their kids is the reason why kids want to cooperate, right? They, that is why they interns are, if they have any intrinsic motivation to cooperate, it's because of that connection and that care, right? So as a step parent, I imagine you're really, you're trying to create that connection. You know, once you've, you're in, enmeshed in that family, what are some, do you have any tips for people to be able to strengthen and, and, and cultivate that connection?
0: The key thing that you said is it's, it's about developing a connection. And even though step-parenting is as old as the Bible and probably all the books that are older than that, just taking on someone else's child and loving them as your own. In modern society, we've seen that stepmotherhood is, motherhood rather, is one of those things that we put on a pedestal. If we look at, I mean, if you see, you know, I know some crackhead meth addict moms who've abandoned their children and these grown adult children will make excuses for this person. but fatherhood doesn't really have that same grace. Dads don't really, that, dads aren't given that type of grace. So if you're given, just because you birthed a human being, you're automatically placed on this mantle, like the patron saint of motherhood. And what happens when another woman impedes on that space that society has given you, just because you biologically did what your body was, what, you, what, what it was supposed to do, somebody else is impeding on that space, this person's automatically going to be given a bad rap. Walt Disney certainly didn't help us stepmoms. Um, and in many cases, and I know a lot of the your your gentlemen listeners out there, the male identifying people probably you know when I say this they're going to roll their eyes, but stepdads are looked at as the heroes because they're coming in rescuing this suffering single mother, this hardworking mom, and her children that some guy just ran off and left when maybe that's not the case um and I said the the uh, the gentleman listeners might have an issue with that. Uh, I mean, it's because it's true. It's kind of true. A stepdad gets a lot of grace, but we are impeding on uh, this very important thing. I said all that to say is we have to go through the back door with forming our connections if the mother is not allowing a natural connection to have. If the mother is saying, the biological mother is is telling these kids stuff or kids are caught in loyalty binds on their own, sometimes having two very healthy parents. One of the things you can do to connect with your stepchildren is number one, understand that it's never, it's not going to feel traditional. These aren't your nieces. They're not your nephews. They see that you are in a position um, that one of their parents used to be in. Okay, my mom and dad were together, but now you're here. Are you going to try to be my mom and dad? You want to reaffirm to the kid first and foremost, honey, I'm not trying to do that. I don't want that role. I'm good on that. Like you got two parents. I ain't trying to be that. You want to really, and you don't have to necessarily say it, but it's all in how you treat the child. You give them options. You speak to them on another level. You have the privilege of not having to parent this child. You do have some responsibilities, obviously, but you know, how they turn out, that's kind of on their parents it ain't on you. Secondly, find things that they really love to do. If you know your stepchild loves Is it it Roblox or Sims or whatever? If you know they love that, it might benefit you to show them that you downloaded on your phone. My stepdaughter used to be into Sims. And one time, you know, we were together and I showed her my computer. I was like, hey, look at this world I built. She literally, her jaw dropped and she was like, oh my God. And we talked for hours. Um, She even mentioned that This, this, you know, when we were just recently together, like, remember you were playing Sims? I was like, yeah, girl, I just did that for you. But it meant something to her because she saw this was something that's exclusive just for us. My stepdaughters know that I'm a makeup, skincare, like hair fanatic. Like, I'm a freak about it. And so now they're coming of age where they're into makeup and stuff. And so, you know, I go by the makeup. Like, we go and do that together. And that's one of our things. And so taking a special interest in things that you see that these kids are interested in is your segue to allowing them to know you, which is very important, to humanizing you, and to also just building a rapport with them.
1: I love that because, yeah, I mean, when you have biological kids or adopted kids that you have as babies, you know, they just immediately, there's that, there's that you know, attachment relationship, you know, there's a lot of like, a lot of things working in your favor and kids just love you a lot. And so, but kind of what I'm hearing from you is that they a little bit of the role of the step parent is like, kind of like when we have to, connect with our kids as they get older, as they get t- to be teens, where we have to meet them where they're at. We have to like, it's not about them coming to us and just automatically having that attachment. We have to, it's almost like you're dating, right? Like you have to make a connection. You have to make time. You have to call to, you know, be, I love that, be interested in their interests. That's really, really beautiful.
0: You know, when I see a new step parents saying, oh my God, I love these kids as if they were my own. And these I just roll my eyes and say, girl, dude, you're lying. Like, first of all, stop lying. You don't have to lie to be cool. Um, <laughs> we didn't immediately fall in love with our partners when we first met them. Mm. That was developed over time. And so I don't expect anyone to look me in my eye that have known some kids for six months and say, I love them unconditionally. Your stepkids don't love you unconditionally. Mm. And so if you expect them to, you're going to cause them harm and yourself harm. And it's going to, create this unnecessary tension in the relationship. So set, set those expectations. Yeah. It's okay to fall in love very, very slowly. And sometimes people just develop a respectful tolerance in their step-family relationships. It doesn't always matriculate into love. And that's okay, too.
1: All right. I love this. I'm so glad you're giving like giving the listener permission to feel what they feel, right? Like to not make it into this pie-in-the-sky thing like it should be this way because it's going to look so many different ways. So um, I think that's that's really awesome. I love this, Naja. This has been so great. Uh, What is there anything we missed? And also, where can people who are interested in diving into more about step families find out from what you're doing?
0: One thing that I—you mentioned expectations, and this is something that I tell my clients every single day is— If you don't mitigate, if you don't align your expectations with your reality, you're in for a world of hurt quickly and adjust your expectations as needed. Um, If the forecast is telling you that it's going to rain and snow today, but you expect it to be a sunny 80 degrees, but the forecast and everything around you is showing you that a storm is brewing, but you take your behind outside with your um tank top on and your cut-off jeans and your sunglasses and you get rained on, this means that your expectations were not aligned with your reality. Your reality is a storm's a-brewing and you better prepare. And so if that's your case for your stepfamily situation, meaning if you have a high-conflict parent or if you have a parent that is very connected and wants to be your friend and you don't want that, you know, there's so many examples that I could list off. But please, please, please align your expectations with your reality and quickly be checking yourself all the time. You stand to be a less anxiety, regret-filled, frustrated person if you do that.
1: All right. I love that. I love that. Thank you. Oh, and you asked me where could they find me? Yes, yes, yes. That too.
0: (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. So my name is Naja Hall. If you I'm not trying to be a jerk with this, but if you go with me, you'll see everything that I do. You'll see um, I have a Najahal Coaching Agency. I have VIP Stepmom for people that identify themselves as stepmothers. You don't have to be married to be in VIP Stepmom. You you know just as long as you understand and you want to learn more about the stepmom experience and get help with your own experience, and that's where you go. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and all of the things. And one of the Things that's super fun for me right now is I do have that I just recently launched is Naja Hall Beauty. I launched a beauty and skincare line for those of us that, you know, are still sexy and hot over 40, over, 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 over 40. Um, so yeah, that's like, you know, my... Yeah, it's for anybody. Which is great because to your listener, if you're only listening to
1: the audio, I'm looking at Nausea and... <laughs> She, she's got, she's got some beautiful, very beautiful skincare makeup. Like she's got a skincare makeup game. I can tell it's like,
0: <laughs> yes, yes. And I have my shoot right after this. So I'm about to go put my wig on. You see, my makeup is already done and <laughs> we're gonna go take those pictures. <laughs> yeah, I, I got you. I got you, Hunter. I got you. <laughs> I, I have things
1: to learn from you there. <laughs> Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Mindful Mama podcast and talk about this with us. I I really, really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for having me and many blessings and love and success over everything that you touch. May it turn to gold.
1: Oh, love it. I hope you loved this episode. I hope that it was helpful. I hope you liked it. As much as Chi mom of three, liked the past episodes, she left a five-star Apple podcast review, which makes such a big difference. She said, best parenting guests. This is a great resource to hear from so many of the leading experts on parenting and the life of a parent. Helpful and actionable items come from each interview. And I, so I hope you got some of those helpful and actionable items. I would love for you to take. One action to either to share the podcast or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify just makes such a big, big difference and uh, helps the podcast grow, helps spread the good word of more awareness, less reactivity. Hallelujah, right? That's what we need. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you if you have. And I can't wait to give you a shout out on your review here on the podcast. And I hope you have a lovely week, my friend. And I can't wait to be back in your ears, in your earbuds while you're driving or folding or I don't know. What do you do? I listen to podcasts while well, like when I get out of the shower. It's really great here in Delaware. And I hope for you, you get patches of sunshine. And I hope for me, too. And I'm wishing you a great week. Talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste.
4: I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do
0: it, it's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it, it's so, so worth it.
2: It'll change you.
4: No matter what age someone's child is, It's a great opportunity for personal growth, and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this.
0: You can continue in your old habits that aren't working, or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting.
1: Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the wait list, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. mindfulparentingcourse.com. If you like this show,
5: there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.